overcome foolish mortals. Today on this episode on Remy's Roundtable, the crew celebrates Remy's Roundtable second year anniversary of the program. The crew welcomes to the program Chuck Majidan from Real Radio 104.1, the five-minute professor to give us our lecture and quiz on sunflowers. So, enjoy this episode of Remy's Roundtable streaming on all podcasting platforms. Welcome to Remy's Roundtable. Get ready as Remy and Chris bring you news and history of Orlando theme parks and attractions, starting right now. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another Friday episode of Remy's Roundtable, streaming on all podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. Yes, guys, we are live on Facebook Live, so head on over to my personal page and see all our beautiful faces. We'll take take your comments, we'll uh, answer them as best as we can, and uh, you guys are in for a real treat today. We got the five-minute professor, and we also have... My buddy Trump McGinn, he'll be on with us uh, on with us today, uh, doing a, a personal interview with him. And uh, so, welcome, buddy. Welcome to the program. So, welcome everybody. My name is Remy, and with me, as always, is my dangerous co-host, Chris. Hello. Uh, from the No New Friends podcast, we have Scott joining us today. What's going on, Scott? Happy two-year anniversary. Super exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, so uh, I uh, celebrated the uh, the podcast episode, uh, the podcast anniversary actually a little bit early uh, yesterday, uh, my, my good friend JD, a uh, huge shout out to JD. He got his, uh, he got myself into uh, Hollywood Studios yesterday, and I, we rode pretty much all every single attractions yesterday. We rode Star Tours four times. We rode Tower of Terror twice, Rock and Roller Coaster once, Mickey and Minnie, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway once, and uh, the last ride of the night was uh, we both rode. Rise of the Resistance at Terrible Hollywood ride. Studios. Terrible ride. What you're I'm, saying? Which which one? I'm only which kidding. I'm only kidding. That was that's literally the best theme park ride ever. Oh, I, oh, I thought you, I thought you were saying Mickey and Minnie's was a terrible, it's a terrible oh, yeah, attraction. That, no, that's a waste of space. Bring oh, back the God. great movie ride. Please do. I miss having. I miss my gangster scene. All right. I I miss it so much. Uh, hey, Chris. I you were right. You were absolutely right about Rise of Resistance. I could have told you that. Well, <laughs> remember remember what you, you told me that I was going to have mixed feelings about the attraction? And like my whole 
I'm have so much emotions on the uh, on the on the attraction. Yeah, I did. I had so much attractions. My my so much emotions on that attraction. And my favorite part of that attraction was when you had the chance to see Kylo's Ren, Kylo Ren's lightsaber just slashing through one of the part the part of the, uh, the one part of the attraction. And I I was impressed with when you're in the holding cell and those doors that one door opens like that way that was pretty cool i I was i was so memorized of that ride our boarding group was 149 so we were like the last backup backup boarding group of the of the attraction so uh hey everybody hi kylie hi hi jen hi uh Hi, Scott. Hi, Jared. Hello, Amanda. Hello, uh, everybody. Thank you so much for jumping on today. And uh, like I said, I mean, it, it's going to be a great show. And I, I can't believe that I spent. OK, so I had a budget, right? Remember, remember, we were talking about budgeting at the uh, Disney theme parks, right? Right. Would you rather have $10 million? Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> OK, so remember, I like I said, I, I got a budget, so I had Forty dollars, uh, thanks to my significant other. She uh, actually just sent me forty bucks for Disney. So you got I, an ice cube. I well, actually, Scott, I have it in this room somewhere if I can find it. Uh, I bought the uh, the Coca Cola that looks like a bomb. One of those. Oh, cool! Yeah, 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 yeah. The ones you can't take on airplanes. Nope, cannot. So yeah, I, you wanna know how much? You wanna know how much it costs? Um, about. It, gosh, it's probably about an eight ounce Coke, so probably fifteen dollars. Chris, want to tell you guys how much I spent on that Coke? Which one? That one looks like a bomb. That one looks like a bomb. It's like about nine dollars, ten dollars. Six bucks. What? Yeah, hold on. Remy, this is a. Gr- I spent six dollars. I spent six dollars on this thing right here. That was a gr- that was a great uh, uh, audio representation for your podcast listeners. You just walking away and showing a uh, <laughs> bottle of Coke, but six dollars, six dollars for this. Uh, look, that's not bad. Um, you know, like I said, I, I thought it was going to be about fifteen bucks. I mean, when you said your wife gave you forty dollars, I thought maybe you got an ice cube and maybe a splash of water. <laughs> and I and I also got a. Uh what can i say uh uh the pop the popcorn the mix the mixed popcorn over in uh, outpost uh, oh nice outpost bay what the heck is, is that flavor i mean to me it tasted like uh what, what you call it uh it tasted like fruit loops so maybe the flavor is fruit loops then <laughs> well I, it, it was like a berry strawberry and then it, it's cool how they uh cooked it uh it said uh, the guy told me that it, they cook the popcorn and coconut oil instead of your natural frying oil where like get your fries and chicken wings and stuff like that. They cooked it in coconut oil, which I think that's pretty cool and, and on my on my saying. No cool. No, I did not buy a lightsaber, but I did see the dark saber at uh Galaxy's Edge and I wanna get it. Now now I wanna get a light now I wanna get a lightsaber. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, you can't get that on forty bucks. No, I cannot you, get that on forty dollars. You can you can look at it in the store for forty bucks. That's it. 
so guys, today's Friday. Today's Friday the 13th. So one of my favorite, oh, yeah. one, one of my favorite uh, horror films, uh, Jason, Friday the 13th. No, he is not my favorite character. Uh, my favorite character is Michael Myers. I like Michael Myers. I uh, I was him a couple of Halloweens ago, so it was pretty weird being him for Halloween, but okay uh today on today on august 13th 1954 uh excavation of disneyland site in anaheim california began began with removing all walnut and orange trees interesting it was back in 19 it's back in 1954 so they just started removing all walnut and orange trees uh on august 13th 1983 tokyo disneyland reached a high performance of 95,000 guests in their parks. Oh my god, that sounds terrible. 95,000. Uh, yeah, park, that sounds awful. Which park has the most capacity? Like which park can hold the most capacity in our our Florida parks? Oh, and the Florida parks, I would say it w- without a doubt, um Magic Kingdom. What are the Magic Kingdom? Cuz I I, I I I would assume so. I mean, I think the largest area is probably Animal Kingdom because of that whole safari and all that. But right. I, I think, and, and don't quote me on that. That would be a question for the Disney's guys. But I, I would say that Magic Kingdom can hold the most capacity. Chris, what, Chris, what part do you think to hold the most capacity? Hmm. Probably Magic Kingdom. So mine would be Epcot. I think Epcot can hold the most at their park. Uh, I mean, it's possible they have the two sections, but you got to think, you know, Future World is is small compared to the World Showcase, and you have that big lake in the middle. Mm-hmm. I still think I still think that it's it's uh, Magic Kingdom. Okay, so we'll, we'll go with Magic Kingdom, and guys, when the the Diz his crew come back on, we'll talk to them and say, hey, uh, is this the right capacity for this? For this uh, park, uh, on August on August thirteenth, two thousand and two thousand and fourteen, Brent Dodge, an annual pass holder, officially reached his milestone of three hundred sixty-five consecutive days of Disney magic. When this guest passed through the entrance at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World Resort, there were actually three days he didn't enter a park over the three hundred sixty-five days. But those were spent on a Disney cruise line. Hmm. So this guy, this guy went, this guy went to Disney, pretty much every single, every single day. Yes, guy. Right. Going back to the capacity, yes. I hate when this happens. I absolutely hate when this happens, and I can't believe that I'm going to do this. Well, you Remy, you're actually, um, you're actually correct. It, it's Epcot. Epcot holds 110,000 people. Um, Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios both uh, accommodate 60,000 people and uh, Magic Kingdom is 90,000. So Epcot is 110 followed by Magic Kingdom and then Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. Now the interesting thing is Magic Kingdom is actually the smallest of the four parks. Magic Kingdom is 142 acres. Hollywood Studios is 154 acres, Epcot is 300 acres, and then the largest is Animal Kingdom with 500 acres. So wow. you are actually correct, and it makes me sick to my stomach that I had to admit <laughs> that you were right. <laughs> so Epcot can hold the most capacity in their park. That's 
That's crazy. All right, gentlemen, it's time to play our favorite game, the celebrity birthday game. Here we go. Happy birthday today. Happy birthday today to Sebastian Stan. You guys know him as the Winter Soldier. I know him as the Mad Hatter from Once Upon a Time. Really? He was a Mad Hatter? Yeah, he was the Mad Hatter in the in the ABC hit show Once Upon a Time. Holy crap. So how how old is Mr. Sebastian Stan? Uh Scott? I'm gonna go 36. Chris? Thirty-nine forty. On the money, thirty-nine years old. Nice. Uh, happy birthday! Happy birthday today to Demarcus Cousins. Who Demarcus Cousins? Uh, twenty-nine. Chris. Thirty-three. Thirty-one. He is thirty-one years old today. From Entourage, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite TV shows. Uh, this actress plays Shauna in the TV hit series Entourage on HBO. Uh, Debbie Mazur. Go ahead, Chris. I don't even know who she is. I neither do I. <laughs> I was okay. waiting for you. So right, I'm, I'll, I'll give it to you guys. She is uh, she is 57 years old today. Uh, from, from Mad Men, from Judging Amy, and of course, from Iron Man 2, this gentleman played uh, Tony Stark's father. Happy uh, birthday today to Mr. John Slattery. Or Sl- Slattery, Slattery, where, where we say his name. I'm going to say he's 67. Chris? Sixty-eight. He is uh, 50, 59 years old today. Wow. <laughs> and, fi- and finally, happy birthday today to Steve Higgins from the Jimmy Fallon Show. Oh, Higgins is probably, I'm going to say 56. And uh, Chris, I don't know who this person is. Sorry, he's the sidekick on the. Uh, he's the sidekick, yeah. Balance. Yeah, show. I don't, I don't watch the show, so I, that's why I don't know who he Heard. is. Heard. Well, he is uh, fifty-eight years old today. Fifty-eight. That that's it. All right, guys. So when we come back, we got your theme park. We got your theme park updates. Letting you guys know what is going on here in the uh, beautiful state of Florida. Uh, is that all the birthdays for today? That's all I, I mean, that's all I got. I mean, that's all the list I got. Yeah. That's all, you couldn't search for more? I'm sure there is more. I did search more, but I was just fried last night. I really can't get any more birthdays. But that was my... That yeah, was you had a big day life. celebrating your two-year anniversary. Yeah. I mean, there was a big, <laughs> yes. there was a big gala, you know, celebrity uh, appearances, a red carpet. I yeah. didn't get an invite, but uh, you know, Tony <laughs> was living it up. That's right, guys. When we come back, we will talk to a good friend of mine, Mr. Chuck McGid from Stealing Peaches, uh, an Allman Brothers tribute group. So, guys, do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. You guys are listening to Remy's Roundtable on all podcasting platforms. Happy anniversary. Thank you.
Do you like Disney? Do you love finding out fun facts about your favorite attractions or restaurants? Then you must try Diz His, the Disney History Podcast. Joe, Alex, and Jen will keep you entertained as they deep dive into all things Disney. Visit DizHis.com or follow us on all social media at DizHis65. We even have a YouTube channel. Just search DizHis anywhere, and I hope you give us a listen. Alrighty. Yeah. All right. Let's see what I got here. And let me go to, you know what? I'm actually going to play that uh, song from a area. Oh no. What song? Uh, I got it. <laughs> I got it ready to go. All right, man. You ready? Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's do this. And what? See, dude, I'm still using. I'm still like brand new with Zoom and stuff. So I'm like, what's up with the Zoom thing? <laughs> All right, here, here we go. Three, two. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Remy's Roundtable, streaming on all podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. If you guys have an Alexa, just say, hey, Alexa, play Remy's Roundtable on iHeartRadio. Or if you guys have a Google, say, hey, Google, play Remy's Roundtable on iHeartRadio. So welcome back, everybody. My name is Remy, and today I am doing a one-on-one interview with the one, the only, Mr. Chuck McGid from uh, Stealing Peaches, who's an Allman Brothers cover group. Man, you guys will love his music. If you guys enjoyed the Groove Orient, you guys are going to love this group. So what's up, Chuck? How you doing, man? Hey, Remy. I'm doing good, man. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, too, man. I mean, it's... Uh, it's a beautiful Monday, uh, sunny day here in Central Florida, man. Is it? it? We live in the same neighborhood, right? No, man. I'm in uh, I'm in Longwood. You're in Longwood? Oh, it's raining over here. <laughs> it's raining on your side, man. <laughs> in Orlando, yeah. It's, oh, it's raining, but it's probably only going to be here for, you know, five, fifteen minutes or something. But, like I that. mean, dude, you know what? What it is? It's Florida weathered. I mean, there's no, there's no stopping with the rain. Once it stops, oh, pouring down rain again, and then up. Oh, here comes a hurricane, and then here comes a flash flood out of nowhere. So, so yeah, man, that's your Florida, that's your typical Florida weather right there. Oh yeah, I definitely try to um, avoid as many outdoor gigs during the summertime as I possibly can. <laughs> but you know, I'm thankful for the ones that I do have. So that's good, man. Pictures, right. <laughs> so what's what's been going on with you, man? What's uh anything new with you? What's up, man? So with the pandemic, you know, it was crazy going from. In 2019, I had 272 gigs in the books. And then last year with the pandemic, um, or what, what was it, 2019? Right. And, um, then last year was had less than 50 shows. And you know, I'm primarily a performer. That's what I do and how I make my living is playing guitar. And so that was just wild. I didn't know when we were gonna get back on our feet, you know, as a music industry. So I decided to uh, go back to school. 
So I'm actually back in school right now, studying. Nice man. Business, doing a one-year online master's program at Berklee College of Music, doing the music business thing. So I started school, and then all of a sudden, Florida opened up with no regulations. We're back full swing of things with uh, live concerts and social gatherings. So you know, I didn't expect it to be that quick, but now I'm balancing school with a full gig schedule. Um, right before the pandemic, I was launching kind of a solo, more of a solo career because the Groove Orient, my college band, just split up um, in May of 2019. And so I wanted to get an EP out for my annual Christmas show I do every year. Right. Um, the Xmas Rager here at, in Orlando at Will's Pub, um, which I think we'll probably be announcing that date here coming up for this December soon. And uh, yeah, released a solo EP. It was awesome. I had a sold out show at Will's and we had uh, some Southeast tour runs in Atlanta, Knoxville and Asheville went well. And then we were about to go back out doing a good opening tour. We had a date. We were supposed to open up for Dumpster Funk in Charleston. We were supposed to open up for this band Magic Beans in Atlanta. And then um, all of a sudden the world just shut down. Yeah. COVID. So was definitely starting to push the solo career when all of this happened. And then, um, you know, it kind of halted things up pretty quickly. But, um, you know, throughout the pandemic, you know, was able to learn and practice a lot of guitar and have a lot of time to be able to develop the craft. And then, um, you know, when Florida kind of opened back up, started playing at Tank Rays again, which I play at Tank Rays every Tuesday night with my trio. Um, right now, the trio is uh, Glenn Castrinos on the bass. All right. James Adkins on the drums from the previously the conglomerate, now his own band, The Walking Collective. And um, we do that every Tuesday, and I'm primarily touring around with um, my solo project. But then during the pandemic, we accidentally started a uh, Almond Brothers tribute band here. I like to call it a rock and roll review of the <laughs> the terms cover band and tribute band are, you know, I'm still getting used to, but I'm, I'm really enjoying actually diving in and having to learn these songs front to back because there's a lot of responsibility and um, a little bit of pressure now to really deliver a high quality, you know, um, you know, to portray that music the way it should be. Right. With the respect it deserves. So, you know, Stealing Peaches is the name of the band, and we're pretty new. Our first show was in February at Tuffy's Music Box in Sanford, Florida, out at Tuffy's uh, Bottle Shop. They've got an awesome new venue out there. It's about 400-person capacity inside, and it's absolutely beautiful. They got an awesome show, great sound. We actually were playing up there every first Saturday of the month. Um, this next six months is a little different because three out of the six guys in Steel and Peaches are getting married and not together, but they're all getting married <laughs> in, the next six, in the next six months. So, Well, congratulations uh, on that, man. Congrats on uh, uh, your members getting married. Yeah, I'm thankful to be one of them. So that's going to be- Yeah, congrats, man. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, so this band's been awesome. This last weekend, we just had a show in Ocala at the Marion Theater. Um, and we hit capacity um, at the theater as well, which is about 300 people in that room. It was an awesome time. You know, never a dull moment in the entertainment um, business. And my light guy texted me the morning of the show saying he was stuck in Nashville, couldn't get get back in time. So oh boy. I have to wake up at 9 a.m. and find another light guy, rent now rent lights, and then also uh, one of our videographers and merch 
his girlfriend, which was does the merch for us, they were stuck in Arizona. Their flight didn't take off either. Jeez so, Louise, um, man. Classic, classic um, rock and roll, you know, fiasco situation, but it turned out to be an epic show. We had, um, you know, we usually perform two sets of music. And so it's two hour and 15 minute sets of um, Almond Brothers music. That is so cool, man. And I'm a huge, I'm not like a huge fan of Almond Brothers, but I do enjoy their music. And my dad, he told me the story about the Almond Brothers and they grew up in Daytona Beach. They grew up in Daytona, Daytona Beach, Florida. Oh yeah, so the brothers definitely grew up yep, with their mom in uh, Daytona Beach. And um, if you read Greg Almond's biography, My Cross to Bear, um, he talks about, you know, growing up there and then people racing cars on the beach. And then also one time he hosted a uh, shoot himself in the foot party where they just had a party and then he shot himself in the foot. So he went <laughs> into the military. So they were definitely some wild Florida boys. You know, I believe they eventually moved up to Jacksonville and then Macon, Georgia as well. So, so what made you uh, roots here in Florida? So what made you decide to do this project, do, you know, an Allman Brothers tribute, tribute band? So me and the other guitar player, Daniel Heitzhausen, who's an awesome, really kick-ass guitar player. Um, we've been playing with each other for a handful of years now, where the Groove Warrior used to play at Tank Rays on Tuesdays, and he used to play there on Wednesdays. And when his old guitar player moved um, to go to school at Berkeley, I told him that I would learn all his songs and I'll just leave my gear there from Tuesdays and play with him on Wednesdays. So that's how our musical relationship started. And, um, you know, we've gotten asked to do this a handful of times before. And we just, you know, called it Chuck McGid and Daniel Heights' Almond Brothers Review. You know, um, when we got asked to do it this past year for this festival in February called Winterland um, out at Maddox Ranch, we decided, well, hey, Let's, you know, actually make this a unit and an actual band and really try to, you know, give this music, you know, play it the way it deserves to be played and really give it to people packaged as an actual band with an actual name, not just me and Daniel's names review the all. Right. <laughs> right. So, cool. I mean, I was going to say, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, fans out here in Florida who enjoy listening to the Almond Brothers, you know, music. And now you, your group, the Steel and Peaches, are playing Allman Brothers music. So, how how often do you guys do uh, the tune? I, the tune I just played recently, uh, Rambling Man. How often do you guys play that tune? So that's a we probably play that one most shows. We've still only played about twelve or thirteen shows under our belt, and we have about twenty songs of the Almond Brothers music that we've got pretty dialed in now. And that's what we're playing on this um, Florida run right now. We're in the middle of a nine show Florida run. We're playing about 18 to 19 of those songs every night. Um, so Ramblin' Man is definitely in the mix and we're just having fun finding our, you know, switching up our set list with the order of all of these songs and in different sets and finding out which ones work at certain times throughout the evening as well. Did you do... So like, uh... Do you guys do all the uh, all the arrangements for these tunes? Is it you and your your buddy Daniel? Do you guys do all the arrangements for uh, the for Stealing Peaches? So we really right now are going off for this initial takeoff of getting this music down and under our fingers and in our heads as much as possible, um, to the point where it feels more natural, not like we're having to work so hard at making it happen. Um, we're really going off of the recordings from the records right now. 
um, even though we've got a lot of guys in the band that have certain live versions of certain songs that they like a little better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, we're, so everyone's on the same page. Right now we're going pretty based off the record and then we do mix in a couple different aspects um, from some different eras of the Almond Brothers live show. Um, yeah, so just so you know, in the band, it's Daniel and I on, on guitar um, and then my old bandmates from the Groove Orient, Aaron Buckingham on drums. Um, my good friend David Venegas on percussion, and then um, my bass player Glenn Castrinos, incredible bass player, absolutely awesome guy, tears it up. And then um, Colin Fai is the keyboard player, and he plays with uh, Thomas Wayne the Believers and Hannah Harbour and the Lionhearts as well. So everybody's got a lot of different musical projects and experience that they bring to the table, and you know to have everybody on. Everybody's absolutely incredible musicians, so to be able to dive in and actually learn this music with them, it's been, you know, it's a fun ride, and we're just getting started. We've got our next batch of uh, 15 songs that we're working on learning right now, to just to up that repertoire. Well, man, I cannot, I cannot wait to check it out, man. I can't wait to hear Stealing Peaches. The next time you guys are over at Tuffy's, I'll be, I'll be there, man. I'll be there to check you guys out. Oh yeah, we were just at Tuffy's this last Saturday, um, Saturday night, and it was awesome. It's always a good time up there. And we're playing uh, Will's Pub um, September 25th. You should come to that one. I would definitely come to, to that show, man. I mean, it's gonna uh, you guys are going to tear it up at Will's Pub regardless. We played there in June, I believe, and it was awesome. awesome. Oh, man. How does, I mean, how does, it feel, how does it feel to be back on stage? Just, you know, playing live music in front of an actual live crowd, you know, with, with still the pandemic happening. I mean, how does, it, how does it feel to be back on stage in general? It feels pretty good. I was in a fortunate situation throughout the pandemic where I said I only had 50 gigs. I'm thankful that I had those gigs, um, but I was able to continue playing through the pandemic. There was a bar out at the beach that was open air and about 20, 30 yards away from everybody else. So I got to keep playing throughout this entire time. Um, yeah, because I play solo um, gigs and use a little loop station and do my own renditions of a bunch of different covers. and then. Uh, solo stuff as well, original music. So I do that, I play as the trio, Chuck McGee trio, like a tank raise, and we take that on the road. We were just over in Dunedin Brewery um, two weekends ago. So I never really stopped playing, but now it seems like we're full steam ahead from my week starts usually on Tuesdays at tank raise. This week I'm playing Thursday with the Chuck and Dan experience at uh, Tuffy's. We do every second Thursday there. And then I'm playing um, doing my solo gigs Friday and Saturday at the beach. And then we got Steel and Peaches um, Woodstock Rendition Festival down in Fort Myers on Sunday. So was that five gigs this weekend or this week? So I'm staying pretty fairly busy. And then also I'm in the middle of school and uh, planning a wedding. So there's a, a, Dude, lot, that's a lot. That's a lot of handful, man. That's a handful on you. <laughs> I, I enjoy it though. And I enjoy, you know, thinking about the process and how to develop bands. And I really do. Um, as much as I have a passion for actually playing, there's no feeling like it. You know, I really do love learning about the business side of it too, because I just want to be able to make, create sustainable careers for all the guys that I play with to where we can, you know, justify doing this all the time. So I, uh, I just bring my uh, message right now on, on Facebook Live. Hello to uh, uh, Kyla and Chris. Uh, my buddy just asked me a question. Uh, how, many, how many guitars do you have? How many, uh, how many guitars do you own? I have quite a few guitars. I would have to count and I've, you know, 
luckily my family lives down the road so i get to stash a handful over there <laughs> as well but probably um 10 close to 10 to 15 guitars or something good god man you need all those guitars <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> um you know some do different things than others you know they have right. different sounds and different um there's different times and a different you know they're all appropriate in different settings so um with my solo project i've primarily been playing a fender stratocaster which was actually my first guitar uh, electric guitar and then with the seal and peaches i pretty much exclusively play gibson les pauls all know, right so it's like <laughs> they all have their different uh, sounds back with the groove horn i used to play like a gibson es335 um for many many of the years and then also um when I started playing with Daniel, I started playing the Les Pauls more as well. So that transcended over to the Groove Warriors sound as well. But um, yeah, lately it's been for the solo stuff, the Fender Strats and uh, do a little bit more of the Stevie Ray Vaughan, Jimi Hendrix, kind of John Mayer vibe. And then with the Allman Brothers, you got to pay the respect to, uh, you know, Dwayne and Dickie. So I'm trying to get that Les Paul sound. What, uh, what top uh, guitar players uh they had that you have a huge influence on that made that got you into playing uh guitar um, most of the ones i just mentioned for sure but i started playing guitar when i was on my way to soccer practice when i was like six years old my dad was playing the jimi hendrix are you experienced record and then i got out of the car and before i shut the door i was like what was that record or what was that music we were listening to he said it was jimi hendrix and i started guitar lessons pretty soon after that so that's probably my biggest influence. When I auditioned um, for the music department at Rollins College, I auditioned with the Jimi Hendrix song, um, Little Wing. So he's always been a big influence and a big part of, uh, you know, me and my career. I've done a Hendrix, uh, you know, tribute night one time at Will's Pub or like, yeah, I've done it a handful of times. And, you know, I always keep fall re-falling back in love with like the Steve Ray Vaughan and uh, Jimi Hendrix stuff, you know, so. That's huge influence, and obviously this Almond Brothers music is a big influence. Um, I first saw them in 2007 when I was up at the Berkeley Five Week Summer Program. I was 17 in Boston, and um, yeah, they were playing. And I went with a bunch of friends, and that's when that summer my mind was I was exposed to jam band music. Saw Widespread Panic that summer, saw the Almond Brothers that summer, saw Bob Weir and Rat Dog. Bob Weir's from The Grateful Dead and Dead & Company. And um, yeah, ever since then, I went to some Wani music festivals. I think I got my old patch from 2012 right here. Hey, oh my gosh, it's Swanee. Brothers, <laughs> Brothers uh, Festival. And so yeah, they've been a big influence for a long time. And you know, it's funny because for years we would play the songs. And then uh, now that I'm in this band, we're playing the songs right. <laughs> so oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, all right, yeah, Chuck. I got some a couple of questions I want to ask you because uh, this is this comes this comes from one of my favorite inter interviewers uh, is from the late uh, James Lipton from the Inside the Actor Studios. So I'm gonna ask you the famous questions. Uh, what's your favorite? What's your favorite word? My favorite word. What's your favorite word? Well, lately I've been enjoying saying ripping and dipping. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, can we count that? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, what does that mean, ripping and dipping? I think you can make it mean whatever you want it to mean. Really, just, uh, you know, just 
it's it's one of those phrases, you know, like I see, um, I just saw a commercial with like Questlove, how he's describing in Philadelphia, they used to say the word John would mean like anything it was a noun or a verb. You can make it whatever you wanted. You know, <laughs> like, look at that John over there. And I'm like, just me. I'm a pretty excited dude. So I think it matches my uh, energy level sometimes and i think it's just fun to say so i i like it man that's that's actually a new uh that should be a new tune name for you guys a new tune to play <laughs> uh what's your le- what is your least favorite word oh least favorite word i'm not really sure um you don't have one <laughs> I, don't think I, do. I don't think i have a least favorite word um I maybe no. No. I don't like the word yeah. no. <laughs> uh, what's your what sound or noise do you love? What sound or noise? Um, I think definitely the ocean is a pretty, you know, relaxing and soothing sound. Yeah. Uh what sound or noise do you hate? What sound or noise do I hate? Hmm. I don't know thunder sometimes. Thunder's yeah, because you know lightning's around. So I think I think my my uh, the sound I do not like at all is when a certain guitar player puts his pick on a string and goes like that. I don't like that. I don't like that sound at all, man. All right, note to self: I will I will do less of those. <laughs> I mean, you can do it because you have style. That's your. I like when you play, but there's there's certain other guitar players who cannot pull it off the right way, and I'm like, why? Why would you play that sound? Maybe I should consider that sometimes, that maybe not everyone will like it as much as I do. <laughs> uh, what is your... All right, now here's, a, here's a, the main question that everybody wants to know. What is your favorite curse word? Favorite curse word? I don't know if I have... Favorite curse word? Hmm. I say, probably say shit a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's everybody's language. (laughs) So that's probably my favorite. Drop a couple F-bombs here and there, but yeah, what what could you do? (laughs) What uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What profession other than what I'm currently doing? Yep, what you're currently doing. What What would you like to attempt? Um, well, I kind of do it in a certain kind of capacity is manage and book a handful of bands, but that's not primarily like my, um, how I make my living, you know what I mean? So mostly I'm a performer, but I would love to be able to love developing bands and, you know, I love doing all the booking and I love, you know, talking about what goes into a show and, you know, how to make it fair and work for everybody, you know, it's always different. It's always a different situation. Um, but also I've talked about opening a venue someday, more of a listening room, kind of coffee shop, a uh, plant shop, multi-purpose event space someday. So that's what I'm going to be doing. My final thesis on at school is um, conducting interviews with all the Southeast venue owners and researching best practices as well as biggest challenges and trying to pull some data to see if there's an ideal situation for everybody out there. Sounds, sounds good to me, man. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Hmm profession would I not like to do well I think being stuck like I I wouldn't want to be even though I kind of am I wouldn't want to be like a um phone call you know 
a tele <laughs> telemarketer. Yeah, telemarketer. Even though I'm on the phone <laughs> all day, every day, calling, you know, agents and venue owners and bandmates, and I'm on the phone talking about music and music business stuff all day. So it's kind of funny that I say. That. <laughs> Uh, and finally, the last thing that uh, James Lipton James Lipton says to his guests: uh, If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You've made it, and you well, did. We've, man. we've been expecting you. <laughs> <laughs> I think your I think yours is perfect. You you made it. That's like oh, hands yeah. down because you, dude, you have made it. I mean, you have been in this business for so long, and I just want to say congratulations. I'm proud of you, man. I've been I've been a fan of you guys ever since, man. So keep up the, keep up the good work, bro. Thank you, Remy. Lots of lots of more stuff coming very soon. All right, Chuck. Well, let, go ahead and let our, our audience know where can where can they find you, your social media, and uh, tell us about your upcoming gigs, man. Okay, so you can find me at little at sign Chuck Magid on Instagram. And if you go to my Instagram, all my different bands and projects are linked in the bio with all their connected Instagram. So that's really the best way. I don't even carry a business card. It's just my Instagram at Chuck McGid. Um, it's C-H-U-C-K-M-A-G-I-D. And then also Chuck McGid on Facebook. Um, but primarily Instagram right now is um, where you can catch me posting and updating the most. And then as far as gigs, you can catch the Chuck McGid Trio every Tuesday night downtown Orlando at Tanqueray's Bar. And then every second Thursday of the month at Tuffy's Bottle Shop with uh, the Chuck McGinn Daniel Heights experience where we play each other's music and back each other up with um, Jamal Music City right on the drums and Glenn Castrinos on the bass. And then uh, Steel and Peaches is all over the place right now, all over the state of Florida. We've got shows in Fort Myers, Boca Raton, Jacksonville, Dunedin, um, Steen Hatchie in Orlando still left on this uh, Florida run. And then also I play solo out at New Smyrna Beach every, most Sundays at JB's Fish Camp from 12 to four. So play solo. I mean, your best bet is to follow me on Instagram. If you want to keep <laughs> up with my schedule, I can barely keep up with it, so. All right, well, Chuck, thank you so much for being on, man. And I uh, can't wait to check out your guys' music uh, when you get your performing, man. Yeah, thank you. I'll see you September 25th at uh, Will's Pub. Sounds good. Guys, when we come back, we got more special guests coming on to our program for our two-year anniversary of Remy's Roundtable. So, guys, do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thanks for having me. Hey there, everyone. Check myself and Chris out on the Diz Journey podcast. That's where Remy from Remy's Roundtable and Joe and Alex from the Diz His podcast. We all get together and talk about our love for Disney. That's every Tuesday night at 830 on the Diz His Twitch channel. Check us out.
Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Remy's Roundtable, streaming on all podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. Uh, we are celebrating Remy's Roundtable's second anniversary. So this is fantastic. Two years of podcasting on Remy's Roundtable. So anyway, guys, welcome back. So welcome back, everybody. My name is Remy, and with me today is my beautiful wife, Jen. Hello, everybody. And guys, uh, it's time for us to jump right into it. So guys, if you have heard this way, I played this intro way too many times, but guys, take take a listen to this. It's time to rise above the butt jokes and hemorrhoid humor. Even if only for a few fleeting moments. And actually learn something. This is the Five Minute Professor. In the words of the great uh, Jim Phillips from the Phillips File, greetings and salutations, Professor. How are you doing on this beautiful Saturday morning? Good morning to you, Remy, and the roundtable. Uh, I am doing well and uh, prepared to uh, give you quite a lecture this morning. Oh, I'm ready. So, Professor, I have a, I, I have something on my mind that I do want to uh, talk about. And uh, okay. do, do you have any pets? Do you have uh, any uh, uh, cats, yes, dogs? Cats. We have Hello? we have two cats. We have two so cats. Funny. There's one. Um, there's one like right there. Oh, <laughs> the back of the cat. <laughs> uh, and the other one, oh, the other one is inside of that shark. Uh, Alrighty. See, I knew, like, I'm thinking to myself, have you ever seen the lady and the professor? Yes, I, I have. always have the cat. I have, because, always okay, so professor, we have cats in our apartment, and uh, this is one specific cat that she Wines. will like scream when she's not being uh, not being paying attention to she'll she'll bring us like her one of her favorite toys and she'll go meow meow meow. i'm like what do you want so acknowledge that she exists yes so um the cat that's inside of the shark Mm -hmm. uh, she does two things uh that are loud and annoying uh one of them is when she wants to be fed she meows for being fed and like she doesn't make any noise until I start the process of getting down the bowl and the cat food. And then it's like, oh, hey, what do you think about feeding me? 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 Uh, even though it's what I'm doing. Between the time when I start the process and when I give her the food, she will not shut up. And <laughs> every once in a while, she carries around this stuffed dog and she gets it in her mouth and then she's meowing and I don't, I don't think she wants us to play with her. She's, it, it's the noise she makes when she's walking around with her little cat, yeah. uh, with her little dog toy. Um, I will tell you this, uh, some cats are just jerks. That's true. <laughs> that would be my cat. My yes. cat is just a thing. He's some cats are just gonna... jerks. The cats are not really, um, you know, as a, as a genus, uh, the felines are not really, um, social animals in general mm-hmm. uh, some some species will um 
will will have some social aspect to it. Uh, lions, as an example, operate as a pride because they're more efficient hunters that way. But in general, cats cats are kind of solitary. Our two cats uh, are very uh, affectionate for each other, although they also fight frequently. Same thing. We have three, and our um, we have two girl cats, and then our male cat, which is the oldest, and he he will um he will get affectionate with the girls but he he doesn't really like them as much as they're friendly with each other because they came together so he will yeah our littlest one Faye, like absolutely loves him and will come and will groom him and just love on him and wants to sleep next to him all the time and he's okay with that hurt he's not so fun with fiona and fiona and he get into it a lot and she he picks on fiona a lot but like, 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 that, like that some cats are jerks yeah he is a complete a-hole and, and the reality is that there are i don't think there are any um cat species that i can think of at the top of my head where male cats do well with other male cats yeah. right so professor i uh yesterday uh i went to uh megacon here in, in orlando florida mm-hmm. and actually met uh i met robert patrick from the terminator yesterday yes. such a nice guy i mean he was an he actor yeah of course a lot of actors are nice guys and he's he's not a movie star he's an actor he's an actor actors are are good people yes that's in my experience you get some movie stars not great people (laughs) right i mean it's it's the nature of what happens when you have millions of dollars and people just Mm -hmm. saying oh yes you're right all the time uh but most actors are are good people they're part of an ensemble they're part of a group and they get things done together and in general actors are good people yes so there i mean today is uh like gonna be one of the busiest days at megacon because uh i saw the lineup who's gonna be the, be here today and we got the full cast of full house that's gonna be at megacon so john stamos bob saget and david Coulier, they're gonna all be seems, at megacon that, that seems a tiny bit outside of what i think of as the mission of megacon Full House seems a little bit outside of the fantasy sci-fi mm-hmm. realm, which I think Megacon lives in. But that's just me. <laughs> that's very true. I, I tend to agree with you. I'm thinking, why not have Star Wars and, and all that other stuff? Well, there, I mean, there's some Star Wars actors. Why do Full House? I don't, I, I don't know either, but there's some Star Wars actors who do come to Megacon and, you know, sign autographs. But they're, per- I mean, they're like getting a... Uh, Eighty dollars for an autograph and like sixty for a freaking selfie with the with the actor. So, That's you know, that, but. that is something which strikes me as very unusual. I would never pay any money for a picture with an actor or for anyone's signature ever. I understand people are into it. I understand it's a secondary market. I understand you can get signatures and you can make money doing it. Um, my oldest son dated a woman whose father had a very profitable sideline with signatures uh, involving mainly sports figures. But um, it it doesn't mean a thing to me. I wouldn't pay dollar one for any one signature. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) All right, Professor, I think it's time for us. I think it's time for us to go ahead and jump into our lecture. What is our lecture on this month? 
You requested sunflower seeds, which I thought, well, that'll be great because I know I've already written a lecture on sunflower seeds, but I couldn't find it. So I rewrote a lecture on sunflower seeds. Um, and I, I want to start, when we talk about sunflower seeds, you have to start with the sunflower itself. It's the genus, the genus, uh, Helianthus. And that genus is, you know, there's 70 species. 67 of them are native to North America. Uh, some of them would say Central America, but Central America is part of North America. And three of them are native to South America. So it is a new world plant. It is called the sunflower because when they're young, the, the flower itself faces the sun as the sun goes up during the day. Like the plant moves to follow the path of the sun. That's really cool. They're, they're called uh, heliophilic plants. Uh, by the time they reach full height, they the flower actually faces to the east. So when you see them and, and the, the plant is bent, it doesn't mm -hmm. continue to follow the sun. It faces to the east, so it catches the very first of the, the rays of the sun as they come up during the day. The reason for that, the reason the plant has developed this feature especially when it's a young plant, is that warmer flowers attract more pollinators than cooler flowers because um, the, the insects, many of the flying insects, use a form of uh, infrared detection so they can see things that are warmer as opposed to things that are cooler. So you attract more pollinators if you're warmer, which is fascinating to me. Uh, the sunflower is not a flower is not is not a flower it, it is nuts. one to two thousand flowers oh. so when you look at it when you look at a sunflower there's the petals on the outside which form actually a false flower disc whoa so it looks like one flower but the reality is that all of the little things on the inside are the flowers so that's where pollination happens is inside of each one of those little things which is why a mature sunflower will have thousands, thousands, more than 1,000 sunflower seeds in it. It's a really efficient way to, to grow something. Mm -hmm. uh, a single sunflower has five to 10 servings of sunflowers in it. One sunflower. Wow. And you can actually take a sunflower, cut the sunflower off and hang it and it makes an effective uh, bird feeder. Wow. That's really cool. <laughs> the birds will come and just eat the seeds. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, sunflowers have over the years been bred so that you'll get a maximum yield out of the sunflower. So a natural sunflower probably has several hundred sunflower seeds, but through selective crossbreeding, which is a form of genetic uh, manipulation, mm -hmm. uh, the 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 plants have grown up to you know be able to do two thousand mm. individual sunflower seeds uh, in each sunflower, and then again the sunflower seeds themselves not technically a seed. Technically, a seed is grown inside of a fruit. That's what a seed is. Mm -hmm. So because they're not grown inside of something, they're they're different. They serve the same function. If you take a raw sunflower seed and you you plant it in the ground, the husk, which is mainly cellulose, will break down and the kernel or the heart of the seed will grow into a sunflower. 
assuming that it's planted after the threat of uh, frost is passed. So a sunflower seed isn't really a seed, but it performs the same function as a seed. A seed grows inside of a fruit. The overwhelming bulk of all sunflower seeds are harvested for sunflower oil. Sunflower oil is, uh, is high in polyunsaturated fats and unless it's refined, it has a relatively low smoke point. So you can't use it for really high temp cooking unless you use refined sunflower oil and refined sunflower oil tastes less like sunflower oil and more just like oil. Because you've taken out the, the features that make sunflower oil sunflower oil, the, the impurities that aren't just polyunsaturated fats that are in there. Uh, then the seeds. The seeds, do you think they're healthy or do you think they're not healthy? I think they're healthy. I think that in moderation, anything like that is healthy. Well, in moderation, anything is healthy. And if you ha have unflavored, just dried, roasted sunflowers, this is what I'm dealing with. Because once you add other stuff to it, the other mm -hmm. stuff impacts the relative healthiness of it. Yeah. And most of them, there's a lot of sodium, which makes it unhealthy, period, end of story. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but a 100 gram portion of dried and then roasted Sun, uh, sunflower seed shells would yield about 20 carbs, which isn't a lot for 100 grams for, no. for a snack, getting 20 grams of carbs. However, 12 of them are dietary fiber. So when you're calculating carbs, if you're on a low carb diet, like my daughter was on a practically no carb diet for two and a half years and uh, as part of a treatment for something. It wasn't wasn't weight related. It was health related. Mm. And um, so what you do with carbs is you subtract out the dietary fiber and get a net carb, eight net carbs, eight net carbs in a, in a hundred gram serving. So it's a decent sized portion. Yeah. Uh, remarkably, the same hundred grams has 20 grams of protein. Yeah, it's a lot. It's got a full day supply of uh, a lot of the B vitamins, B1, B6, also vitamin E. It's got a healthy portion of uh, between 30 and 60% of some other B vitamins, the riboflavin, niacin, and folic acid. Also, uh, more than one day's supply of uh, magnesium and manganese and phosphorus and five grams of iron. When it's used as a supply for oil, the uh, pressed shells can be used as a food, so uh, food source for livestock. So they, they press out the oil and then you can feed the the spent shells uh, to uh, to cows and to pigs. Uh, the dried shells, so if you press it for oil and then dry them, you can use the shells as a biofuel. Mm. Uh, and although native to the new world, the US grows only 2% of the world's crops. The Ukraine grows 30% of the world's sunflower production. Jeez. Followed by Russia and then Argentina. But Argentina wow. only grows about 7% of the world's crop of sunflower seeds. And that is the end of my lecture. So when we come back, we're going to do a, uh, a quiz, if that works out for you folks. Yeah, it works, works out great. Fine. Guys, when we come back, we'll do the uh, the quiz with the five-minute professor. And uh, on Facebook, if you guys want to join us, hop on and uh, play some trivia with us. Guys, do not go anywhere. You are listening to Remy's second year anniversary roundtable right here on all podcasting platforms we'll be right back
Sugar boom boom, I'm chasing dragon. This dragon's got my hand. Sugar boom boom, I'm robbing people, but I'm an honest man. Sugar boom boom, I'm chasing dragon. This dragon's got my hand. Sugar boom boom, I'm robbing people, but I'm an honest man. Let me tell you straight up, homie, this story's not rehearsed. Don't my share of drogas, but we. Discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody, to Remy's Roundtable, celebrating our second year anniversary of the program, uh, streaming on all podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. So, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Remy, and with me, as always, is my beautiful wife, Jen. Hello. And guys, we are back once again with the five minute professor from Real Radio 104.1. He comes on every uh, once a month to give our lecture and quiz. And Professor, I think it's time for us to do the quiz. Indeed. Uh, We talked about sunflowers today in our lecture. Here is question number one. Vincent van Gogh, and that is how Americans pronounce his name. It is pronounced differently in his native Dutch, but I am not Dutch, so I'm not even going to try. But it's closer to Gough. Gough. It's closer to Vincent van Gogh. Um, He painted three series of sunflower art, and he's famous for his sunflowers. The first involved wilted sunflowers laying on the ground, and they're, you know, for what they are, they're spectacular. Uh, the most famous, however, involved vases of flowers painted in France in what years? Uh, so I'll give you the point. If you get if you get the year, either one of the two years correct, you will each have two guesses. All right. You, you want to – here, you go first, and I'll, and, I'll run, and I'll run off of you. What year did Vincent van Gogh paint his famous sunflower paintings? 1865? After 1865, in other words, after he was born. So go on. Uh, 1890? Before 1890. Nice work. 1885. After 1885. 1888. 1888 and 1889 is absolutely correct. Nicely done. In 1888, what French painter and friend of Van Gogh painted his friend at work uh, and painted one of these famous sunflower paintings? This was two two years before he first visited Tahiti. What is the name of this famous French painter? Ah. There was a a movie, an old movie with Kirk Cameron, not Kirk Cameron, Kirk Douglas called and Lust for Life. I know, and I can't think of his name. I can't not think of that. Lust for Life, however, was about Van Gogh. 
not about this other painter, but this other painter is featured in it because this other painter was friends with Van Gogh. Hmm. I know. Well, uh, Facebook, if you're listening to this quit uh, to this question, please help us out. We're trying to get a uh, get this answer here. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I don't know any. I don't know any painters. The only painter I can think of was is Mr. Bob Ross, but that's the wrong yeah. answer, and he's not French at all. Uh, <laughs> the right answer. Uh, Renoir. Oh, Renoir is a fine guess. However, Renoir is a one of the Dutch masters. It is Paul Gauguin. Gauguin. Oh my Paul God. Paul Gauguin. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, now he uh, he eventually uh, spent the last decade of his life living in Tahiti. Uh, he took a second wife uh, in Tahiti. Um, Tahiti was the source of the breadfruit trees that were the cargo of what infamous ship before its famous mutiny 100 years before Gauguin's first visit? Mutiny on the bounty. Um, oh, bounty uh, is the name of the ship. Nice. Yes. It is the HMS Bounty. Bounty. Uh, yeah, that, uh, that mutiny took place in 1789. Mm -hmm. uh, so 100 years before Gauguin was first there. And Captain Bly ended up traveling thousand miles in an open boat on the ocean. A Whoa. thousand miles. In 1984, the film The Bounty starred which Welsh actor as Captain Bly and which American, not Australian actor, as Fletcher Christian? Mel Gibson was the American actor. And that is Mel Gibson. The Welsh actor. Welsh actor who has played a US president on film in front of mm. Nixon. Mm, I'm, I'm oh, thinking. I can't think of his name. And I, I can picture his face. I cannot think of his name. He's, he's a Welsh actor? He's Welsh. He's very old. Very old? Yes, he is very old at this he's point. But he wasn't always um, very old. Okay, yeah, have, I, have, I seen, have I seen this actor in any Quentin Tarantino movies? No. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking of the wrong guy then. Uh, oh. I don't like Quentin Tarantino, but okay. Um, <laughs> he is he's famous for his affection for Chianti. Oh, oh Anthony Hopkins. It's Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. There we go. Um, all right. Although born in Peekskill, New York, Gibson is also is often thought of as being Australian because his father moved to Australia after winning on what TV game show? Match game? Not match game. Oh dear. Um, what is that? The thousand dollar. You mean the you mean you mean the thousand dollar pyramid? You mean the pyramid? The pyramid. All right, you say pyramid. It, it is not the right answer. Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Wow. So I, this I, is something. This is something which I've always known. I've known that Mel Gibson moved to Florida, uh, moved to Australia when he was 12 because his dad won money on Jeopardy. And I thought, that's weird because certainly not in the 1960s, you didn't make a lot of money on Jeopardy. So I, I've often thought, how much money could his father possibly have won? His father was a five-day champion back when you would play for a week. And then if you were a five-day champion, you'd be invited back for the tournament of champions at the end of the year. He won $4,680. Ooh. Wow. He eventually won Hutton Gibson 
Mel's dad, eventually won the 1968 Tournament of Champions, won about another $1,000. So it's about $5,600, give or take. And I thought that still isn't enough money to move your family because he had a lot of kids mm-hmm. uh, to Australia. It turns out that same year, he was also awarded $145,000 in a work-related injury from the New York Central Railroad. So they <laughs> really moved because of the $145,000, not because of the $5,000. Moving to Australia, Gibson had moved his family to what third largest island in Europe? I will give you each two guesses. Third largest island in Europe. What is the third largest island in Europe? Hmm. Do you know any islands in Europe? England technically is an island. Uh, uh, we will call it Great Britain because it is England, Scotland, and Wales. That is the largest island in Europe. Um, there's... Yeah, I don't know any islands in Europe. Um... <laughs> yes, you do. Um, I'm yeah. 100% no islands in Europe. I'm thinking. Uh, Santorini. Santorini is tiny. It's a little teeny tiny Greek island. Yeah. Jeez, crackers. <laughs> um, I'm going to be ridiculous because I think this is landlocked uh, or has land attached to it. Um, Norway. Norway is not an island. Norway is, is part of continental Europe. How about uh, 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 Portugal? Portugal is part of the Iberian Peninsula, and it is a part of the continent of Europe. That is two guesses total from the both of you. It's actually three from Jen and one from Remy. <laughs> I got one, all right? I got one, so I got two more, all right? No, you don't. Uh, you don't have two no. more. Damn! <laughs> We're done and with since, that one. And since I'm you have back. stopped guessing islands, um, the the third largest island is Ireland. Ireland! Duh. Actually an island. <laughs> yes, actually an island. But the second largest in between Great Britain and Ireland, and this surprises me, is Iceland. Iceland is oh. bigger than Ireland. Oh, wow. Okay. And dramatically bigger. I always think of Iceland as being very, very small, but it is not. The Icelandic parliament, this is question number seven, is considered the oldest surviving legislative body on earth at 1,091 years. What is the name of this legislative body? Now, do you have any ideas? Because if you have no ideas, I'm gonna make it multiple choice. I have no no idea. Okay. (laughs) It is either the all thing, the most thing, the no thing, or the some thing. What is the name of the legislative body of Ireland? You must choose a single answer. Is it the all thing, the most thing, the no thing, or the some thing? It's actually it's actually in Icelandic, so it doesn't mean what we say in English, but that's what the name is. Is it the all thing, the most thing, the nothing, the no thing, or the something? I think it would be the all thing because the all father. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. You want to go with that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, The all thing. It is the all thing, but keep in mind your logic on that was horrific. Uh, English logic. You used English logic for something which I told you was Icelandic, but it turns out you're right. So you get the points anyway. So uh, it's better to be lucky than good. That's, that's true, professor. That's I, very I, true. Okay, so I was thinking All Father. I was thinking like like mythology and everything, and that's the only reason I could I said All Father or All Thing. I get like, that. All I Thing. Get that. <laughs> I get that. Um, how many different political parties have members seated in the modern? all thing how many different political parties i will give you each two guesses 
How many different political parties have members seated in the all thing? Three. More than three. 15. Fewer than 15. Now we have a range. Eight. Eight is absolutely good. Yeah. Nicely done. Hey, go for right. your favorite number. Eight Men Out is the title of both a book and a movie about a baseball scandal involving what team? Eight Men Out is the title of both a book and a movie about a baseball scandal involving what team? Um, okay, honey, this is, this is a baseball question, so. Uh. <laughs> I think it's the Yankees because of the, it's either the Yankees or the White Sox because of. Of that game yesterday, but uh, no. Say, say a team. Because of the Field of Dreams. Um, uh, White Sox. Good job making your switch. It is the White Sox. It was known as the Black Sox scandal in 1918. And it's the same uniform that were worn that was worn this week in the Field of Dreams game. Absolutely correct. The White Sox. V8, sticking on the theme of eight, V8 is considered a blend of eight vegetable juices. Mm-hmm. However, it includes lettuce, parsley, spinach, and watercress, which arguably are not vegetables at all, but just plants. Mm-hmm. Right? That, yeah. Yeah. Lettuce, lettuce and spinach are not vegetables. They're plants. Yeah. But what is the one quote unquote vegetable in V8 that is actually a fruit? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Tomatoes is absolutely correct. Our final question. The tomato is native to what continent? Tomatoes are native to what continent? You take a guess, and I'll and I'll take a guess. Now keep in mind that one of the uh, one of the things that uh, goes into this lecture is that I start with a topic, and it I end with the, the same topic. topic. The tomato is a native to what continent? Which is what? What was the one that he said? What was the the country that he said was the one that had the most sunflowers? Well, Ukraine. Ukraine is one. So you, Ukraine. Yes. So, Come on, honey, you got this. I know you got this. I mean, I don't, but <laughs> there it is. Uh, South America. South America is absolutely correct. Argentina, that's why. Yeah. So South America, so just like uh, corn and sunflowers, the tomato is a new world fruit. Although I associate tomato with Italian cuisine, Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't a part of Italian cuisine until after the 1500s. Because they were afraid and they thought it was poisonous. Well, it is related to the uh, the nightshade family. Exactly. So oh, wow. The plant itself is poisonous. The fruit is not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so South America is the right answer, although it was possibly first domesticated in Central America by the Aztecs, but it was possibly uh, from the Incans, but the tomato itself is actually native to South America. Nice job. Not the best showing. I'm going to be uh, totally forthright here. We totally swung and missed on a couple. <laughs> yep. Got to a couple, but an 82. 82. 82. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad, Professor. Uh, Professor, please let our audience know where can everybody check you out and uh, what's, com- what's coming up on your next uh, your next podcast episodes what do you have coming on your next shows so you can uh, find me on facebook at five minute professor you can find me on facebook with my facebook live stream on uh wednesday nights with uh, moira from the phillips file and ben paris the former mayor of longwood they are the democratic and republican committee chairs of seminole county 
So we do a show called Between Two Chairs, uh, and that is on Wednesday nights. And we talk about uh, politics and uh, the political environment in Florida, in Seminole County, and in the country. And uh, then on Thursday nights, I do a similar show, uh, similar in how it's uh, formatted, called The Lady and the Professor, which is my wife and I. And quite honestly, I don't know what we're talking about next week because usually we decide on Thursday morning. <laughs> um, but you can find that at The Lady and the Professor on Facebook. And uh, you can come out to my live show Tuesday nights at Post Time Lounge and Cafe at the intersection of 1792 and Dog Track Road in Longwood. And guys, make sure you guys go to Post Time Lounge. Trivia does start at 6 o'clock. And uh, you guys can grab those uh, half-off pizzas at Post Time Lounge and Cafe. So It's a great deal. I mean, it's yes, really it's a great deal. deal. Get 50% off your pizza Tuesday night, only for eat-in. And they are, they are some really good pizzas. Yes. They sure do. Professor, as always, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you next month on our next lecture. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Hey guys, when we come back, we will wrap up the program with your theme park updates, letting you guys know what is going on here in the beautiful state of Florida. Guys, do not go anywhere. You are listening to Remy's Roundtable right here on all podcasting platforms. We'll be right back. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me in the morning, I'll be on the way. Call me when you want, call me when you need, call me out by your name, I'll be on the way. Like, mm, mm, Hey guys, it's Remy here from uh, Remy's Roundtable. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our program. Uh, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, which is uh, Pom Pom, over by the Bumby Plaza. The address is 67 North Bumby Avenue, Orlando, Florida, 32803. Uh, you guys can give them a call at 407-894-0865. And of course, guys, if you guys would like to check out their menu, please Head on over to pompomsteahouse.com for the menu. And for bonus, guys, if you mention Remy's Roundtable, you guys will get a 15% off discount off of your meal. So once again, guys, that is Pom Poms over by the Milk District area, Bumby Avenue, located in the Bumby Plaza. And now, guys, back to Remy's Roundtable right here on Spotify.
discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody, to Remy's Roundtable right here on on all podcasting platforms, including iHeartRadio and Spotify. Yes, guys, we have over 100 episodes, and uh, you guys can listen to all of them. We have celebrities on there. We have actors, musicians, everybody, anything you guys can think of. And, of course, we have the announcer for, from the Orlando Magic. We have Mr. Paul Porter on there, so you guys can listen to that episode as well. So welcome back, everybody. So welcome back, everybody. You guys know me. My name, my name is Remy, and with me, as always, is my dangerous co-host, Chris. Hello. From the No New Friends podcast, we got Scott joining us today on celebrating Remy's Roundtable second anniversary of the program. Second year anniversary. That's so impressive because, you know, a lot of podcasts fizzle out over seven episodes, you know, 30, to, 30 days to, I don't know, three months, and they're they're out. So congratulations to you for sticking with it and thank you grinding and uh, and all that good stuff. What uh what gets you kind of started in Remy's Roundtable? I mean, I know it started as a different podcast. It but, did. Uh, what uh you know what what made you want a podcast and and it to be about theme parks? Well, I mean, I, I know just want to say I don't want to show my ego, but uh, I, I like talking to about theme parks with different cast members and guests on our program and kind of say hey what's your favorite theme park what theme park do you like to go to and why do you choose why did you choose that theme park as your favorite theme park and then we i talk about a little bit of history about it i do you know the updates on them laying you know i know that we're a florida-based podcast but we're also international so that means we're, we're heard all across the world so is that what international means i wasn't quite sure yes i mean i mean it's not like me saying where in the world is carmen san diego but uh, <laughs> uh so yeah i mean it, it's something that brought to my mind and i was sitting in my parents backyard in their uh my, my parents has a uh, a fireplace so I was sitting outside just brainstorming, brainstorming, and I'm like, all right, you know what, forget it. I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and jump right into it and say, I'm gonna talk about theme parks. This is the podcast I would just wanna talk about. And talk about, it has nothing to do with sports, no political, nothing, just has to do with theme parks. I mean, we can get political, but that's because it's based on the theme park rides at all of the theme parks. Like we'd be like, oh no, that ride sucks. No, that ride was amazing, that ride was, decent you know so i mean that's why i said political in a way gotcha yeah i thought you meant like uh the liberals are boycotting the mummy uh, <laughs> you know and then because they don't have gender inclusion in the rides and then uh, right you know the conservatives are are boycotting um gringotts because it does celebrate diversity and uh you know I want to anyway, go around. Continue. I want to go around the table real quick with you guys. I'm gonna say you know something, and then I want you guys hear what you guys can listen to our audience and let let these guys know what you guys your favorite theme park is. So, Chris, what is your what is your favorite theme park? I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, 
no clue. Scott, what about you? What about you? What's your favorite? What's your favorite theme park? I would say Hollywood Studios, without a doubt. Um, I get excited any day that we're going to be doing Hollywood Studios. Uh, get it, waking up at six o'clock in the morning, having my coffee, and you know, trying to work my fast fingers to get that reservation time. Once the portal opens at seven a.m., I love the Indiana Jones stunt show, which is not performing right now. Uh, I love everything about Hollywood Studios. I mean, I think mine will be Universal. That is my favorite, favorite theme park. Uh, that's where I first. That's where I first started. I first started working at the attractions over there, and then uh, I moved on to other theme parks. Worked over there for attractions, food and beverages, and now, guys, starting on Monday, you guys are officially looking at a brand new Disney cast member. Nice. For, for the Magic Kingdom tunnel system. So yes, guys, I will be at the Magic Kingdom starting on Monday. So I'm happy That's to start. That's exciting, dude. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, that means uh, Scott and Chris, gentlemen, we will be drinking around the world. Fantastic. Fan-freaking-tastic. But the question is, where are we going to start? Are we going to start in Mexico first, or are we going to go ahead and start in Canada? I start in Canada. You start in Canada. Yeah. And, and look, I've, I've been over. I, uh, Joe asked me this and Alex as well. Here's my, my theory behind this. I feel like the drinks are stronger in Mexico. I like to start in Canada where the drinks, drinks are real weak and work my way up. Because if I'm starting in Mexico, I'm done after three countries. <laughs> Chris, Chris, what about you? Where, do you? where do you start? Do you start at Mexico or do you start in uh, Canada? I start anywhere, but if anything, I start in Germany, then I work my way around the world pretty much. Oh, nice. That's true. That's very true. I start I start in Mexico. Mexico is where, where I'm at. I'm literally at my fair tequila spot, and I get all my tequila shots out of the way, have, have a few margaritas, and then I will bounce from Mexico to Canada and then go around that way, that path. That's interesting. Chris, when you go, do you stick to beer when you're drinking around the world or do you mix it up? Um, what What do you like to do? Anything goes, but I normally start with the German beer, my favorite. Yeah, of course, the show. Uh, the the yeah, I, I always start with that. And then I say when I get to Mexico, a couple of Dos Equis and. Nice. Yeah. Like Canada, I'm not like too fond of it because their beer is a little weak, but. It is. Um. I don't know. I mean, it's. I I I always have to start with Germany. I have to. That, that's a must. I cannot. Yeah. I can't say, oh, let's start in Mexico and you know start, you know, drinking there. Which I don't mind it. But if I'm gonna get a beer, I'm gonna start at Germany. Then work backwards. Makes the sense. There you go. I gotcha. Yeah, I I I typically just stick with beer. But lately, I've been trying some of the the fruitier cocktails. You know, like the. Uh, the, the Kung Fu Punch in China, or the uh, there was this really good uh, Red Stag frozen lemonade slushy thing in America, and then also a moonshine, Blackberry moonshine type Ooh. thing in America. So good. Uh, so yeah, I've been kind of mixing it up a little bit lately. Man, that sounds delicious. <laughs> I kind of want to get some moonshine right now. Yeah. Uh, so Remy, what you got for theme park news? So Craft Beer Fest is returning to SeaWorld Orlando with brand new flavors. 
This event will begin on August 13th. Well, starting today, actually, for the today. Uh, the SeaWorld the SeaWorld Craft Beer Fest. Guests will be able to try out more than a hundred craft beers and savoring more than 20 different dishes. We the should have event, been recording there today. I know. <laughs> the event will, will run from 4.30 to 6.30, and the ticket price is $110. Whoa! Yeah. Guests can purchase a craft beer sampler, uh, a craft beer sampler for 50 bucks. So the entire the entire event will run from uh, today until September 12th. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. We have... Okay. Uh, our guest who checks out Universal Studios can buy a portrait and will will be displayed at the Halloween Horror Nights 30th Tribute Store. Your hold image. On, will be- hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Did you just say pick people who take their picture at Disney? Is that no. what you just said? What you right, say? No, no, I said this. Our guest who checks out Universal oh, wow, okay. Studios okay. can buy a portrait. And it will be displayed at the Halloween Horror Nights 30th Tribute Store. Your gotcha. image will be transformed into a haunting display. After, you, after the event ends and the tribute store closes, your portrait will be shipped and give you a piece of the event too to keep. Oh, this, that's cool. This limited offer is available until August 15th. So you only have two days to purchase your very own Halloween Horror Night portrait. You can That's get cool. a you can get a portrait size from $190 to $225. Ooh. No discounts will be applied to these portraits. So you need to have some buku money to get the these portraits. And what's cool, I saw like the the YouTube video on how it's done. It's like you take a regular photo and they'll image your photo into a like a ghost kind of pattern so it changed from a ghost photo to a to a like a scary ish kind of photo and it looks oh, really, that's cool. really well done that's neat that's neat uh let's i mean well, i am excited for halloween horror nights what about you guys are you guys excited about this year's event oh for sure for sure you guys want to get you guys know when you guys are going to be uh, attending the event well, I know I'm definitely going September 3rd. Um, I'm doing, I've got a bachelor party for my friend. We typically get the all September pass mm-hmm. so that we can go any night in September uh, with Express. And then and then we, we don't even bother during the month of October. Uh, Chris, what about, what about you, sir? Do you have, have you picked a day when, you, when, you, when you're going to go to uh, Halloween Horn Nights this year? Not really, but if I pick a day, it'll be Halloween night because it'll be slow. Because everybody's going to be out and about, you know, having Halloween parties and whatnot. So, I, I, I think that's when I'm going to, I think that's when I am going to, I'm going to stay. Uh, I'm going to go. Uh, speaking, speaking about Halloween Horror Nights, Halloween Horror Nights 30th Anniversary Tribute Store will be opening up on August 27th at Universal Studios Florida. So, I saw the facade for it for today. It looks, it looks good. Badass. It, look yeah. great. it looks great in there. Yeah. Uh, here's a list of weird things at Disney's Hollywood Studios that's hid in plain sight that, our, that the guests can see. So you have Shallow Waters, which is at uh, Fantasmic. Now, do you guys know that uh, uh, Fantasmic is the shortest lake of all? 
Okay, when you say the shortest lake, do you mean the shallowest lake? The shallowest lake, the the shallowest. It is it is like not that high up above the ground. It's like four to five four to five feet. That's okay. how shallow it is. It's um shallow is defined by a foot or two feet of water. Right. Your average human height is anywhere from five five, five ten. So that's a little steep. That's not shallow. That's a little steep. Chinese theater footprints. These are actually real actors' footprints, but there's one that's Remy, sorry. fake. The, 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 yes, the, sir. The Remy's roundtable research team is in. The water depth varies from one and a half feet uh, at the mountain to approximately six feet in the middle. Really? Yep. Wow. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, where, where was I? Uh, giant footprint in Toy Story Land. The footprint is a replica of Andy's sneaker. So that when oh, you go cool. in, when you go into Toy Story Land, you can actually see a replica footprint of Andy of Andy's sneaker, which is really really cool. Uh, let's see here. Uh, blasted hidden Mickey. This hidden Mickey is actually in Star Wars Galaxy Edge, and you can see it from miles away. Recycled droids, the uh, Valiant Detective Agency. Uh, it's a tribute store. It's a tribute to Roger Rabbit. Willie the Dummy, Mickey on the map. So if you look at the Hollywood Studios map, like from an aerial aerial view, it looks like Mickey Mickey Mouse's head. Yep. And uh, last thing on here that everybody can see is. Uh, we have an, an actual brown derby. We have the, the brown derby restaurant at, at Hollywood Studios and uh, the character Paloozas. So different characters out there. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we already talked about that the other day. Uh, I, have a, I have the top list of the most visited, visited tourist spots in America. Times Square, New York. How many visitors per year do you think goes to Times Square? I am going to say uh, 60, yeah, 50 million. On the money, 50 million. Wow. 50 okay. million. All right, how about the Central, how about Central Park in uh, New York? Oh, Central Park, I'm gonna say a little bit less. We're gonna go 30 million. Chris, what about you? I have no idea, honestly. Uh, let's say four, it's gonna be, uh, let's see, four, 42 million. Uh, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Strip. They get a, uh, uh, they get an a the same same amount of guests. Yes, uh, Sixty million. Forty-two million for Las. Okay. Forty-two for Las Vegas. Uh, Union Union Station, forty million. Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, twenty-four million. Grand Central Terminal, twenty-two million. The Magic Kingdom here in Florida, twenty million guests per year. That's interesting. Do you, so. Here, here's and and uh, 2020 aside. So back in 2019, how many people do you think visited uh, Orlando? Like, like total, like out of like just total, Orlando that, or, that, or, that or, or, or the or the theme parks or Orlando that that year. I'm gonna say roughly 15 million. Wow, you'd be way off. About seventy-five million. Good God, that's a lot. That well, Orlando is, a lot. is Orlando is the most visited city in the U.S. 
That's really cool. Uh, Lincoln Lincoln Park, twenty million. Disneyland Park, their average is nineteen million. Nineteen million for for Disneyland Park, and uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom, fourteen million. Epcot, thirteen million. And uh, finally, Disney's Hollywood Studios, they get roughly twelve million. Per vi- 12 million per visitors and it seems like they're all there on the days that i go <laughs> pretty much uh let's see I have, a li- I have a list of the best theme park rides inspired by movies Coaster from uh, the incredible incredibles jurassic world universal studios hollywood revenge of the mummy at universal studios florida harry potter and the escape from gringotts star wars rise of the resistance saw the ride Toy Story Midway Mania, uh, Avatar, Flight, Flight of Passage, Dinosaur Roars at Animal Kingdom, Tron Light Cycle at Shanghai Disneyland, and coming soon to Orlando, Florida. Uh, let's see here. We already talked about that. Talk about that. No, actually, we did not talk about this. Uh, DVC, DVC and Disney annual pass holders can request a time frame to check out Remy's Ratatouille Adventure attraction at Epcot. So that's really, really cool to check out. I can't wait to check out that ride once uh, I work a couple of days at uh, my brand new job. So yay! Uh, the Food and Wine Fest Marathon marathon medals have been uh, revealed. Uh, and plus that marathon has been sold out, uh, which is outrageous. So, uh, all right, guys. So we were talking about uh, a past past few episodes of Diz Journey and Remy's Roundtable. Chris, remember I talked about uh, Scarlett Johansson's brand new project that's going to be coming out to, like, next year? I don't recall you talking about that with me. Okay, so this article is now saying that Disney has cut all ties and projects with Scarlett Johansson. That's a rumor. That's not a fact. It's not a fact, but it's a rumor. But I mean, I, I do you guys think that they will cut ties with Scar Johansson? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, here's the thing is, uh, you know, and I'm not a lawyer, but I think that she is within her rights to uh, be going after Disney because if her contract was structured in a way that she wasn't included in any of the streaming revenue, yeah, I'd be pissed because she signed that deal when it was supposed to be just uh, a big screen. And I think that this lawsuit is going to change the way that, you know, uh, movie contracts are written. And uh, I think what's going to happen is Disney's going to hopefully uh, kind of come around and settle with her. Um, and I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned, which is all I care about, she's dead. Uh, spoiler alert, she's dead. Uh, so, you yeah. know, who cares? <laughs> uh, Magic, Kino- Magic Kingdom VP gave updates on Tron Light Cycle Coaster. They stated, they stated that Tron will open to the public in early, early of next year. So we're looking at 2022 Tron Cycle will be open at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, new menu, new menu items has just arrived at Fire Eaters Grill at Islands of Adventure, and that is a Greek honey, Greek honey puffs. So they, they, they added a brand new dessert at uh, Fire Eaters at Islands of Adventure, which is right across from Poseidon's Fury. And uh, Scott, 
now they just now they just put it they put up construction walls at Poseidon's Fury. Good. I hope they bulldoze that building. Oh, I say keep I say keep the building and then re, just revamp it into an indoor coaster. Well, that's a small building. It would be a really shitty coaster. Well, I mean, it's a shitty coaster, but still be an inside coaster. So it would be why? like that dragon why make, coaster. Why make it into a roller coaster? Why make it into? Why not make it into something DC? Because you know that Marvel's not going to stay there forever. You yeah. Know yeah, I, I mean, but I mean, I mean, they're con- they're the con- case, con- stuff. If that's the case, you're gonna make it into something DC themed. So, oh, I don't know. Um, Aquaman. Aquaman, perhaps. What Hulk is now? They can turn that into a Batman ride. No, Green Lantern. No. <laughs> Green Lantern's Marvel. No, Green Lantern's Marvel. Green Lantern's DC. Look it up. I will, but I know that Green Lantern is DC. Actually, Green Lantern is DC, by the way. Son of a bitch! That's twice <laughs> one episode that Remy was right. Well, I could say, or I could say, the point that I'm trying to say is that, you know, because Universal is paying, you know, a boatload of royalties to Disney, and they don't right. want to continue doing that. Yeah. So, why destroy something when you can bump it up into something different? Good call. I mean, I don't see why why not to be a that would be actually a good. I mean, I mean, seriously, seriously, think about it logically. Why destroy Poseidon when you can make it into Aquaman theme? Why destroy Hulk when you can make it into a Batman ride? Why destroy Spider Man when you can make that into a virtual? Oh, I don't know, spot um, Superman. Yeah, Superman adventure or or the Justice League. That would be awesome. That would be an awesome attraction. Think about it. I mean, if if Universal has rights to have Harry Potter and his Warner Brothers, what makes you think they, they can't have DC after Marvel has moved all their stuff out of there? Right. I I, I agree with you now, Chris. I, I do now agree with you about the, the changing to Poseidon's Ferry and turn, just turn that into a decent you know attraction that everybody can enjoy and uh, it could be dc could be dc related but you know I mean, game- most people most people are not going to see it my way i'm just thinking logically why destroy something when you can bump it up yeah into something totally different but i really think i mean if universal and dc and six flags can come up with an agreement then they can start placing you know dc attractions at their uh, local theme parks I mean, I, I mean, not only not, not not only here in Florida, but also in uh, Hollywood, California as well. DC and Warner Brothers, they're they're tied up. So yeah, if you already have Harry Potter and his Warner Brothers. Why can't you add DC in there? That's Just true. Think. Walt Disney World, Walt Disney World will now increase cast members and capacity as they respond to Delta variant concerns. Disney CFO Christine McCarthy stated that the parks will be fully staffed by the end of the calendar year. She also stated that they will be increasing capacities as they demanded. They are also going to be very careful and going to be going to bring capacity online aggressively and measured. The Disney parks will continue to utilize the park reservation system even with increased capacity. They are doing this in a, me- in a measured fashion for the health and safety of not only fo- 
for the guests, but also for the cast members. The park pass reservation system will, will remain in place for next year of 2022. Lucasfilm has announced a crossover movie, and it's going to be based on Indiana Jones and Star Wars. Stop, stop. No, 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 stop. I no, read it. I no. read it. <laughs> okay, stop it. Where'd you read this? First of all, I, I have heard that the Indiana Jones movie is going to have a time travel element, which is freaking terrible. Second of all, th- no. <laughs> They're not going to... Where Where did you read this? I read it. I found what, what, is, I'm like, what is your source? Fox my News? source is... Hold up. Let's see if I can find it again. All right. Go to... Scott, go to inside the magic.com and that's where I, that's where come on that's up. not a source that's a good source all no, right it's not it says... no it's not <laughs> i'm actually gonna say how trump said it that's fake news that's, very fake news that's fake news but i, I, I really just, don't just speak... like jennifer aniston and dave swimmer dating fake news yeah fake news uh, wow <laughs> so you guys so you guys don't see that actually happening at indiana jones slash star wars movie look remy there is a um whereas as likely to seeing that as we are penny hardaway becoming the magic's head coach this year. <laughs> uh here's what i have uh for for your florida updates gator Gatorland announces return of gators ghosts and goblins event this event will begin on the weekends beginning on october 9th this Halloween event is free with park admission. And Seminole County Public Schools announced mask mandate for all students. Oh, good. And, and staff. So, yeah. Uh, an, unopened, an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers sold at auction for how much? How much do you guys think that an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers? 1500 for Scott. Chris, how much do you think an unopened copy of Super Mario Brothers? I, I'm first talking off, about. First off, first off, I'm going to stop everybody there. Is this the copy that was graded by PSA that was the highest rating of 10.0? Is it? Because if it is, then that's the copy that they brought to Pawn Stars like several years ago. A yeah. guy brought an unopened copy brand new mm-hmm. and he wanted a million dollars yep it was graded 10.0 it's the same copy are you sure yep the same one are you sure because you're yep. saying yes just to agree with me but are you sure i'm sure so in your article on your source it says the same uh game that was sold on pawn stars Yes, it was sold. It was sold on Pawn Stars. Even no, so, it was not sold on Pawn Stars because they rejected it. Sold. They were or, not or gonna, attempted. They were not going to accept a yeah. million dollars for a game. That's what the, so, the guy wanted. So and how much, Remy? Two million dollars. It sold for that. It sold for two million dollars. Now I see why Chumley said to buy it because it was, you, you know, all these gamers who collect these virtual these nostalgic items they can go for sale like that and they go for sale for uh okay let's take let's take for example a uh, a holographic charizard pokemon card that card went on sale for you know easily a million dollars right there but it did it because well it went only on sale for 780 dollars but it was like a rare 
a rare collector's item for Pokemon fans. But this is a rare Super Mario Brothers collection. And I have to say, I had to agree with, you know, these guys who, who are buying out these items. And for $2 million for a rare, un, unopened, mint condition, grade 10.0, goes on sale for $2 million. That is fantastic. I, I really think that's, like, it, it just shocked me uh let's see guys i have a list of i guess fans of uh motown no no chris no. Are, you, are you a fan of motown no, no okay no. well anyway uh i have the list says right here uh the greatest mo the greatest motown artists of all time you got the, the supremes the temptations stevie wonder Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, the Jackson 5, and of course, Ray Charles has made the list of the greatest Motown artists of all time. Are they going to be having a Motown attraction at Universal? <laughs> no. <laughs> then why are we talking about Motown? It's just other, just other news, other random facts. And finally, the last news I have here is AMC, AMC stated that customers will soon be able to buy movie tickets with Bitcoin. I, well, if look, I, I can't with a Bitcoin. If you want more information on Bitcoin, uh, we had some Bitcoin experts on the No New Friends podcast. I'm I'm fried. <laughs> well, anyway, guys, uh, later on later on today, I uh, know you guys got some stuff you guys need to take care of, but I also got stuff I have to take care of too because I am going to MegaCon today, and I can't wait to go see some uh, actors and go get the brand new copy of jolly jane what are you what are you dressing up as nothing i'm gonna go i'm gonna go i'm just gonna go full naked at uh megacon okay so megacon will have its lowest attendance ever <laughs> i really think that they had a uh what was i gonna say there uh they have tons of like tattoo artists gonna be there a uh uh what i'm gonna call it uh but what come up with buddies are gonna be there dressed up and they have their own stage show out there that's going to be happening today and of course uh russ rollins is going to be out there with uh jeff kaufman for their brand new release of jolly jane and i'm actually going to get a copy of that today so who knows who else who, who knows who else i'm going to be uh going to be meeting out there but uh scott what's coming up next on the no new friends podcast well, the episode that just released, um, like I said, we've got some Bitcoin and cryptocurrency experts. We also talk about how pets control our and run our lives and the first day of school. And then Sunday, we've got a really exciting episode. Chris just had his bachelor party. So he's going to be telling us all about his bachelor party. And then Mary and I get to relive our bachelorette and bachelor parties, respectively. It's a super funny episode coming out on Sunday. We're going to everybody check it out, uh, Scott. I just told you. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, thank you so much for watching. And uh, give me one second here. It's Facebook. And uh, yeah, just give me one second here, guys. Well, guys, that is it for our program. So I uh, just want to say thank you so much for listening. We'd, we'd like to give a shout out to Pom Poms 
over by the Milk District area, located 67 North Bumby Avenue. And I uh, hope you guys can check them out. Please, if you guys mentioned Remy's Roundtable, you guys will get that 15% off discount off of your meal. On the behalf of Scott, my name is Remy. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Remy's Roundtable. Streaming on all podcasting platforms. And uh, we'll see you guys real soon. Take care. Remember, the Force will be with you always.